to join in with us this morning. I know it's a crazy world out there, but God has created us and made us specifically for worship. So let's all stand together and worship him this morning.
Praise the Lord. Do you feel like raising a hallelujah? Go ahead. Let's say hallelujah to the Lord. To the King of Kings. Amen. Praise God. You can feel his divine presence here today. I will be reading to you today from the Holy Word of God. Psalm 118, starting with verse 12. They compass me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. In the name of Jehovah, I will cut them off. And that's for the COVID virus. In the name of Jehovah, I will cut them off. Thou didst thirst sore at me that I might fall. But Jehovah helps me. Jehovah is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of Jehovah doth valiantly watch over me. The right hand of Jehovah is exalted. The right hand of Jehovah doth valiantly. I shall not die, but I will live and declare the works of Jehovah. Jehovah hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will enter into them, and I will give thanks unto Jehovah. This is the gate of Jehovah, the righteousness The righteous shall enter into it. I will give thanks unto thee, for thou hast answered me, and art become my salvation. The stones which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. This is Jehovah's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which Jehovah hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Are you glad, brothers and sisters? In this day that God has given us, let us go to him in prayer. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, that you have given us this day. It is a gift from you, O God. And Lord, we are thankful. We bask in your holy presence where your word says there is fullness of joy and blessings at your right hand. And you will show us the pathways of life in the divine presence of God. Lord, we love you. We love you because you first loved us, for you are love. And Lord, we just ask that you will bless us and keep us as only you can. Keep us safe, O God, from all hurt, harm, and danger. We depend on you, Lord. We're helpless in ourselves, but our eyes are upon you. Bless all that are here today, dear God, and bless those who are watching over the Internet. And Lord, we just ask that you will give a special favor upon us. Because we thought of not robbery to come into your presence and hear what thus saith the Lord. We want to ask you, dear God, to please bless us. Because we've come together in unity, as your word says. We have a good crowd here today. Not too much, just enough. And most importantly, the Lord is in the midst because we've gathered in his name. Lord, let us show to the world the love that you're showing to us right now. Let us be beacons of light, beacons of love. As you reflect your love upon us, may we reflect it upon others so they can see Christ Jesus in us. We ask, O God, that you will bless all of your kingdom 
Bless all of us who are in your kingdom and serving it. Anoint us anew. Give us strength. Give us your Holy Spirit in the baptism of it so that we can do the work which you have set before us, dear God. We ask, O Lord, that you will just watch over us through your angels' keep. And Lord, we ask that you bless each and every one of your children who love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, CTC family, I'm Jill. And I'm Sarah. And we've got this week's news. Many of us grew up learning about the power and love of God during a summer vacation Bible school. It is a great time for children and families to connect and share the love of Jesus with others. Beginning Wednesday, July 29th, and continuing every Wednesday through August 26th, our CTC Kids Ministry is gearing up for a Backyard Family VBS POW. This is an opportunity for you to become a Backyard VBS host and invite three or four kids you know to be part of your small group. We still have spots open for kids and for hosts. Just go to our website and click on CTC Kids. Registration deadline is Wednesday, July 26th. Change is a part of all of our lives. Sooner or later, we will all experience change. A job, a school, a home, a church. Change happens in every area of our lives. Beginning the weekend of August 8th and 9th, Pastor Roger will be exploring this subject in our new series title, Change is Normal. We will look at how to handle change and experience what God wants for our lives. As the pressures of life continue to mount with the COVID pandemic and so many other things going on in our world, it's easy to get overwhelmed with life. Right Now Media has a series by Max Lucado entitled Anxious for Nothing. In this five-session video Bible study, Max explores God's promises in Philippines 4, 4 through 8 and shows that while anxiety is a part of life, it doesn't have to dominate our lives. Along with this, you will find a Bible reading plan by the same name on version. If you are not connected to these resources, visit our website to see how. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 888-344-1022. You can also email your request to prayer at ctcde.net. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Welcome. Glad to have all of you here in the room today as we gather to uh, worship God. And uh, great thanks, thankful for all the announcements that you just uh, saw on there. I want to say something about the Backyard Vacation Bible School. We've got, we've got 50 kids already signed up to gather in people's backyards this summer. I think that's fabulous. And there's still more opportunity to do that. I was going to, I found my cape, you know, the theme is uh, Heroes of Faith, and I found my cape in my, uh, uh, but I don't think I've been declared a hero of faith um, yet, but Jesus is always working in all of our lives, right, so that we can do that, but what a great opportunity to get our kids together this summer and just uh, remind them of God's love for them and teach them Bible stories. And, and, you know, it's so important for us to gather together in small groups, and I want all of us. So let me ask you this question. Are you still connecting meaningfully with other brothers and sisters in Christ? Uh, it is so important to do that. And uh, uh, Chrissy Carroll, who's kind of leads, gives leadership to our small groups here 
at the church. We've been talking about how can we encourage people to continue to stay connected, even when we've got to be separated. Uh, it is so important for the church to come together in small groups. So I want to encourage you in that direction as we think about the ways that we grow in our faith. Another way that we grow in our faith is by giving generously. So we've got opportunity. If you're online or you're even here, we, you can still give online. And uh, giving lets God know that we are dependent upon Him and that we're trusting God for all of our resources. There are offering envelopes by the door uh, that you can fill out, place your offering in them. But also remember to fill out a Connect card. You can do that online. Uh, and share your prayer requests. Let us know that you are here today. That's how we take attendance and uh, and stay connected, another way that we stay connected. So as we, uh, as we give, you're at home. We encourage you to fill out a Connect uh, card of prayer requests uh, and to make a donation to give your tithes and your offerings to God. Let me, if you're here, let me invite you to let's stand together as we continue to worship God as the praise team leads us in this song.
Counselor, wonderful God. We serve an awesome God. So let us look to the Lord in prayer. Father God, your word teaches us that before you formed the earth, that before you divided the darkness from light, that you sent your spirit to hover over the earth. And Father God, your word teaches us that like a deer pants for water, that our soul has to long for you, Father God. So today we long for you, Father. We invite you to just rule over our lives in every aspect of our lives, Father. We ask that you teach us and help us to not only worship you in church, but to worship you in every place that we go, that you go before us, Father, that we pray not only in church, Father, but that we pray at all times without ceasing. Because through prayer, you hear us and you speak to us. Father, we have to learn your word so that we can conform to your will and live our lives according to the purpose of your will. And another way that you teach us to do that is to hear your word. So we thank you on this day for our pastor who has prepared a message that you have given him because you want it to enrich our lives. So Father, bless him. Bless Pastor Roger mightily. Open our ears so that the word goes in, but open our hearts so that it goes deep within our soul. And that when we leave this place, that we will be a blessing to someone else. So thank you, Father God, for resting within us and ruling amongst us. And thank you for bringing us to this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think there are a lot of people in extremely difficult situations that we're not even aware of. You know, I think we probably know a lot of people who are in really, really hard um, home situations or relationships that um, are very difficult and and dysfunctional or um, abusive, and they, they haven't found a person that they can open up to about that. You know, I think one of our main um, jobs as Christians and friends with, with people is to make sure that they know that we're a safe place that they can come to and talk to about these things and um, know that they're going to be, be able to talk to. Chrissy and uh Rebecca, we're on the video talking about a serious subject uh, related to the question today that we're asking for a friend in this series. And the question was, why is it so difficult for people who experience 
domestic abuse. Why is it so difficult for them to get out of those situations? It's a heavy subject, a heavy topic. We're going to talk about that this morning. And uh, throughout this whole series, we have not dodged the difficult questions. Um, and so let's, let's dive into that one. But before we do, I want to show you some pictures uh, of me about 10 years ago. So here's the first Here's the first picture of me that is a nice picture of Pastor Roger uh, about 10 years ago. Let's see. How did it, what, what did I look like 10 years ago? No? I look just like this 10 years ago. Isn't that amazing? There he is. Oh, look at those eyes. Those are nice, nice eyes. Okay. So sometimes we look at things and we see other things. So here's another picture of of me from about 10 years ago. Go ahead, Bryce. We're just going to go quickly through these. Isn't that lovely? You should see it. It's okay here, but you can see on the monitor here if you're watching. And then here's another one. There's a good one. I've seen that guy someplace. And then here's one more, one more picture of me. Whoops. Isn't that amazing? Wonderful what we can do with uh, digital photography these days. All right, back to, back to me. Here I am. Now, Let's pretend for a moment that of the of those pictures, let's let's take the creepy guy with the big forehead. <laughs> that was kind of my favorite one. What's it? Every time that I looked in a mirror, that's what I saw. That distorted picture of of who I am. And every time I looked in a mirror, every picture that I saw, I that's who I who who I look. When you look at me, you would see that first picture. When you look at me, you would see me as I am right now. But when I look at my, uh, when I, even when I turn my camera on myself to take a selfie, I see that great big forehead and that big nose and that creepy smile. Or I see the, the picture there with the, the, the guy with those itty bitty eyes and uh, the, those great big teeth that look like daggers coming out of my lips. What if that's what I saw every time I saw myself? You'd say, well, you're just looking at a distorted picture of who you were created to be. Would you agree? That's who it was. Let's take that a step further. We're moving into the, the idea of domestic abuse. And let's say that my parents somehow had the power, had the control to be able to make sure that as I was growing up, every time I saw a picture of myself... I saw one of those distorted pictures. And every time I looked in a mirror, it was, it was uh, created in such a way that every time I looked at it, I saw one of those distorted things. And even as a child, every time I looked at a phone or every time somebody, uh, somebody showed me a picture of myself and with a school, the camera distorted my image in such a way. And somehow my parents were, had the ability to control absolutely everything about my life. Would you consider that was a bit abusive? I think you would. I think I need to hear a yes. <laughs> and the point that I want to make is that when many of us, many people in life experience others having that kind of control over them so that it distorts who we were really created to be. Everybody else sees us as we are, but in an abusive situation, that image gets distorted in the mind of the person who is abused. And and it's wrong. And we're going to talk about that this this morning how God created us to be who God created us to be, but in many ways 
the abuse is distorting that so that we can't see ourselves as who they are. We may laugh at these pictures because we know that the real picture is not these distorted images. And But there's a bit of truth in the distortion. You could tell, especially with some of those, because I showed you the picture of who I am first. And then even in that distorted one, you could still see some aspect of Roger, his great big teeth. <laughs> or his great big nose. But you could see his eyes were still there. And yet, it was distorted. It wasn't who God had created me to be. I have several goals in this message this morning. I want, us to, I want to define domestic abuse and help us to see signs of it in, in, our, in families or in society. I want to warn those who are abusers that it is wrong and they must stop hurting others. I want to encourage us all, especially anyone who is experiencing any kind of abuse, to find the courage and the resources to get out of that experience and that situation. God has hope for us, and God has a place for us. God desires for us to live the life undistorted that God intended for us to live. I want to point out that God, God's Word uh, reveals God's love for all of us. And none of us is unworthy of being loved by God. We all are loved by God. And I want us all to do some self-examination in our own relationships to guard against behaviors that can be that can lead into some kind of abuse or behaviors that may trigger the experience of abuse that other people may experience. And that happens all the time. We may unintentionally do things because this is what this is what happens in abuse because relationships we we have to live life in relationships and the things that abusers do are twisted behaviors that are useful in any kind of relationship. And that's what evil does. Evil just twists the truth enough so that it distorts what, what God really intended. And it can be subtle. It can be insidious. It can be uh, just damaging. Or not. You know, the, the definition of sin, the most literal definition of sin in the Bible is to miss the mark. And it doesn't take much for sin to destroy, to distort the truth in order that it misses the mark of what God has planned for our lives. And that's what sin is. God has a plan for our lives and it's as if I was aiming an arrow at something, uh, at a target, and, and the wind blows it off course. And the evil one knows that. And all the evil one has to do is blow a little bit of dis- disturbance as I shoot that arrow and it, and it misses the mark of what God has for me. It's easy to do that. It's easy to get trapped in sin. It's easy to get affected by the evil that is in this world and miss the mark. So let's look at a definition of domestic abuse. What is domestic abuse? Domestic abuse is a pattern of behaviors used by one partner or one person to maintain power 
or control and control over another person in a relationship. Now, this this definition comes from a, a national organization uh, on domestic abuse. And so it's focused on probably the husband and wife. But abuse can happen in non-intimate relationships as much as it can happen in intimate relationships. And we need to, we need to realize that. So this, this definition is kind of narrowed down to probably husband and wife relationships. But it is about control and it is a pattern of behaviors used by a person to maintain control or power over another person. Now, we all have power in this world. We all have control over some things, but there's always a limitation to our power. There's always a limitation to the things that we have control. But an abuse is when we overstep the boundaries that are set for us. And this can happen between a parent and a child relationship. This can happen between a friend and a friend relationship. This can happen between a boss and an employee relationship. And, and there, there are limits to the power in each of those relationships. And those are called boundaries. And every one of those boundaries are important for us to live in. But when somebody takes steps over that boundary and exerts control in a place where they're not supposed to have control, it's an abusive situation. Last week, I remember saying the phrase, stay in your lane. <laughs> Again, we're talking about that. That's abuse. What are some signs that a person might be in an abusive relationship? And these are, these are generalizations, and they don't apply to all circumstances. But one sign is that a person constantly worries about making another person angry. Don't, don't say that or you'll upset so-and-so. Don't do that or so-and-so is going to go crazy. Don't do, and so your entire life becomes about pleasing or about not angering that person or I'm always worried about that. A second one is that the person who may be in an abusive relationship starts making excuses for the, for the partner's behavior. And, and I remember I, I saw this in, in a church one time when Carolyn and I were new to the church. And, and it happens in churches even and in, in families where, where the group makes an excuse for somebody else. So this is what we experienced in the church. Uh, we, we went to a meeting once and there was a man in that church that he got, he got excited. And as he got excited, he started raising his voice. And he started saying things that probably he should not have said. And everybody else in the group seemed okay with his behavior. But Carolyn and I were new to the church. And this was a group of, this was a group of church leaders. They were people who were faithful to Jesus Christ. But he had gotten so excited that he crossed a boundary. And he didn't know that he crossed the boundary because Carolyn and I were new there and he didn't know us very well, but he crossed a boundary. And when we left the meeting, my wife said, I am never going back to a meeting if that guy is going to be there. Because he doesn't know what he said and how he pushed me away. And I don't respect him for that. He lost respect because of what he said and how he said it. I mentioned that to a couple of other people there. Uh, outside of that and, and privately as I got to know the people of the church. And I discovered that every, 
that, that people knew that about this person, that when that there were triggers and when he got those when he got triggered in those things, yeah, he can get that way. But he's always been that way. And there's the excuse. And they learned that not to upset this person like that. And so they they said, don't do that. But they also said, well, he always gets that way and we're used to that. But you know how damaging, you see how damaging that is to a, to a body, to a church? And it happens in families also. One person acts out like that and it just pushes people away. And when the church allows people like that to continue to act out like that without anybody saying, hey, you know what, when you talk like that, do you realize that this person over here saw that and they heard that and they're never coming back to this church because of that? And we don't hold one another accountable to, to an, an abuse that has happened. And so we start making excuses for the partner's behavior. Here's a third sign that somebody might be in an abusive relationship. And this is quite obvious, but there are unexplained marks or injuries on a person's body. That's fairly self-explanatory. Another one, this is a little bit more subtle, but the person no longer spends time with family and friends like they used to. It might be that somebody is putting pressure on them or they're afraid to upset someone because they know that if they spend time with these, with these friends or with this family member or with this group of people, when they get home, they're going to pay a price for it. And we, we, we experience people like that at work or whatever, maybe in our own families. So the next question is, how can we as a church support people who experience abuse in relationships? And we've got five practical things that we can do. And these are not easy to do. But how can we as the church, how can we as in our own families support people who experience abusive relationships? And it is frightening. It is scary. But that's the first thing that we can do is that we can acknowledge that they are in a very difficult and painful situation and we can be supportive and we can listen to them. Oftentimes that's the most comforting thing that we can do. Just listen. Somebody recognizes that they are in a difficult experience and we listen to them. Listening is a powerful ministry. I have a book on my shelf that I've had for many years and I've cracked it open now and then. Um, but I keep I keep it because I expect to to get to it. The title of the book is The Lost Art of Listening. <laughs> I really ought to take that book off the shelf and read it because listening is an art. Most of us, we think we listen, we think we hear. But what we're really doing is formulating our response and our reaction to what people are saying. And it doesn't matter what somebody's saying. But to genuinely listen means that you calm your mind. You just listen to what people are saying. And it is a gift to be heard. And people know if you're listening to them or not. People can tell if you're genuinely listening to them. So we can acknowledge, I know you're in a tough spot. I know that you have hard choices to make. I know that it's difficult to get it. I'm sorry that you experienced this. I know it wasn't my fault. Let me support you in this. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. Second thing we can do is resist judging others. Don't judge. Even if they leave that situation, they have the guts to step out of that situation. But they get scared again and they go back to it. 
They don't need our judgment. Why did you do that? You're an idiot. They don't need to hear that. They need to hear, I'm with you. They will need our support even more during these times. So they need to know that we are persisting with them and we are enduring with them also. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to stick with you in this. I know that when we minister to people in this way, it's difficult for us to stick with people who who do the same thing over and over and over again. But you know what? We all do that. (laughs) We all say that we'd like to change something in our life, but we continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. Last week, again, I think was one of the scriptures where, where we read, Stop judging one another. Stop condemning one another, especially within the church, in the body of Christ. Jesus came not to condemn us. He came to save us. So Jesus has called us as the body of Christ to be his presence, even in the lives of these people who are experiencing painful experiences. And we need to show them that Christ is with them. So don't abandon them. If they have the guts once to stay and go back, don't leave them. We can support them and encourage them. Third thing we can do is encourage them to spend time outside of the relationship with Friends and family who are helpful. They need to know that there is a safe place to go. And those relationships, those good relationships, they don't always have to talk about the the abuse. You don't have to talk about it. Talk about other things in life. Help them see that that even though in this particular situation that that abuse is like a dark cloud and and maybe that just like fog comes down to earth and, and we can't see it. That abusive situation is like that dark cloud that comes over them at times. But they need to know that there are times when the sun shines someplace else and they experience the warmth of the sunshine. (laughs) S-O-N-S-H-I-N-E. We need to encourage them to spend time with others outside of that abusive relationship. And that encourages them. And it's, it's not a place, it's not a place where, they, where, where they're just reminded of their abuse. It's a place where they are reminded that they can get out of their abuse and that there is hope and that there is help. Fourth thing we can do is help them develop a safety plan. Help them develop a plan that they can get out of it, a stable plan, some place where they can go, where they'll have the resources that they need to sustain themselves or those also who are dependent upon them. Help them make a realistic plan so that when they have the courage to act on it, they're able to do so safely. And for forever would be the goal. And finally, encourage them to talk to people who can provide help and guidance. There are all kinds of resources, all kinds of organizations that can help in these situations. And we need to help direct people to where those resources are. I want us to go through several scriptures uh, before we end, some encouraging scriptures. And I want to end this on a, on a message of hope. Because God, this, this is spiritual warfare. Somebody mentioned to me this morning the the, 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 the last night as I was giving the message at the six o'clock service, 
They could just feel the spiritual warfare. And this is a spiritual battle happening because we're talking about relationships and relationships are spiritual things. So I want to end with some scriptures reminding us of how great God's love and power is in our lives. And God, Jesus walked through the region wherever he walked. He did three things. He proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God. He taught people how to follow the ways of God and he healed all kinds of sickness and disease and abuse is a sickness and a disease that Jesus comes to heal in our lives and believe me he wants to heal you from it and he will so let's listen to these scriptures the first scripture is from Isaiah chapter 40 verses 29 through 31 and it says God gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. You know, when your battery dies in your cell phone, where do you go to recharge it? When a battery is dead in a car, it's dead. The car will not work. Where do you go? You replace the battery. God is the source of the power that can break the change, chains of abuse. It comes from God. And God not only has the power, God gives it. God gifts it. Thank you, Pastor Vaughn. G-I-F-T. This power that God has is a gift. Children understand gifts. At Christmas time. They don't wait. (laughs) They're ready to get that gift. I remember in my family, my mother, she didn't like the mayhem of all four of us clamoring under the Christmas tree and tearing open the gifts. She wanted to see the joy on our faces, so she made us wait. <laughs> and somebody played Santa Claus as we would do it, as we would do it in, our, in our Christmas family time, and somebody was appointed to hand out the gifts to each child. And we were all, we'd get our pile of gifts there. And then one by one, I remember her teaching us that she didn't want us all to open them at the same time. She wanted us to take turns so that everybody could rejoice in what each person received. Now, when you're young, that is such a boring thing. Come on, Mom, you want us to do what? So when it was my turn to open it up. And and when children are young, we, we need to teach them You know, when it comes time for Christmas or when grandma and grandpa come to the house, it's easy and they always bring a gift. And then the day comes when when grandma and grandpa come and there's no gift. Remember, remember learning that you don't always have to get a gift and how difficult as parents that is to teach your children to deal with the disappointment of not getting a gift sometimes from grandma. What? They forgot a gift for me. Where's my gift, grandma? Every child says that at some point. (laughs) Socks, is that what you said? Okay, here's the story. Here's Roger, eight or nine years old. Grandma was the practical grandma. And she 
you know, she knew that we didn't have all kinds of, uh, of money to get things. And so she knew that my parents weren't going to buy the practical things for us. So Grandma bought the practical things for us. Thank you, Grandma. The things that we needed. And so, and I knew that about Grandma. So I'm with the, with the whole family, cousins and everybody, aunts and uncles are all together. And we're at Grandma's house and we had our dinner and now it's time to open a gift from Grandma. And I'm sitting there and it's a box and it's flat and it's light. And I'm opening it up, tearing the paper off slowly. And my cousin, who's about 10 or 12 years older than me, I didn't know he was sitting behind me. I was on the couch. And I slowly opened it up because Grandma gets practical gifts. And I didn't want everybody to see what Grandma was giving me before I saw what Grandma was giving me. So I unwrapped it carefully, and I it was a shirt box. And I kind of, you know how flimsy they are, I kind of... Cracked open the side of it and lifted up like this. And just as soon as I got it a couple of inches so that I could see what was in the side of it, my cousin reached around my, over my shoulder. His hand came down into that little slit in the box that I had made. Whatever it was, he grabbed it and he yanked it out. And he said, Roger got fruit of the looms. <laughs> How embarrassing is that? Thank you, Grandma. God is the giver of all good gifts. We don't have to ask God for a gift because he's there to give it. He is the he is both the power to break the chains and the bonds of abuse. And he is the one who gives it. I didn't ask for fruit of the looms. <laughs> God knows what we need, and he gives it to us. Open your hands, open your heart, open your mind to the gift that God has for you. He gives the power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Fruit of the looms to the kid that doesn't want them. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but... Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar. They will soar. Not they may soar. Not they might soar. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Thank you, God. This is the gift that you have for us, God. Trust it. Trust it. The second scripture comes in the, the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, is part of the Beatitudes. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. See the hopefulness in this that God brings to us. God loves us. And God will bring the blessing to us, to those who mourn. Don't be afraid of mourning. Don't be afraid to grieve. Don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to say, God, it hurts. Why am I experiencing this? Don't be afraid. To mourn, for you will find comfort 
from the giver of all strength and power. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I remember a vision that I had one day. I pictured God calling me on the top of a mountain. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange, but he was God calling me. It wasn't a real clear picture of who God was. I kind of think of Moses on the, uh, with God on the mountain covered in a cloud or a brightness or, or whatever. And I don't remember what scriptures I was studying at that time, but God was calling me, and I was, I was aware of God calling me to come to him. And he had some gifts to give to me. And the first gift that God brought out to me was this big, ugly, black box. And as, as God carried that out to me, there was this great big heavy thing. And it was, uh, let's say, it, uh, I, I, the, the physical image that I saw really isn't that important. And it really wasn't that clear to me. But I'm just going to call it Jesus. And Jesus was, was carrying this big black, looked like a stone box. And it wasn't shiny. It was just ugly. And as he carried it, you could tell that it was heavy because he just walked slowly towards me. And I thought, you have a gift for me, God? (laughs) That's the ugliest thing I ever saw. Where's grandma's gift of fruit of the looms? That was easy to carry, (laughs) easier to wear. (laughs) But here Jesus is, I have a gift for you, Roger. I thought, how in the world can I take that gift? How can I carry that? But Jesus handed it to me, and I lifted it, and I held it, and it was lighter than a feather. I don't know if there was something about that gift, or if God suddenly made me strong. doesn't really matter. But the burden that Jesus had was there to give to me was suddenly light and easy to carry. I thought, well, that's odd. <laughs> Jesus says, come to me, you who are burdened. Let, take, my, take the burden that you're carrying off. Leave it with me, and I'll give you mine. But Jesus, that looks awful ugly. How can I carry that? I will strengthen you. My burden is light. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source, again, the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort other others. I know some of you have experienced this truth. And I've experienced this truth. I've been, Carolyn and I have been through painful experiences throughout our marriage. And we have known that even through those painful experiences, God was wanting us to bring hope and comfort to others. And sometimes we're still in the midst of that painful experience. And it is comforting to us to find people who are in the same situation. And we find comfort in their struggles also. It's encouraging. Because Jesus is with us. 
when we are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. Receive the gift of comfort. He is the source. In Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Teaches us, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live your life. Remember, God has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. As for those who trust in Christ, because Jesus is the way for us. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all kinds of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. We get to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And he says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. When you place your trust in Jesus Christ in a few minutes, we're going to celebrate. We're going to baptize Melanie. And I'm going to lay hands on Melanie. And I know Melanie has placed her trust in Jesus. And even when she placed her trust in Jesus, God has given her the Holy Spirit. But when I lay hands on her and when when people lay hands on others, God is giving his Holy Spirit to those others. And giving gifts. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, of love And this translation says self-discipline or sound mind. My gosh. My Lord. Give that spirit of sound mind to people who are experiencing abuse. We get to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. I had the wrong one. 1 John? Nope. We should have changed that one. You can take that one. Skip that one, Bryce. Just listen to me. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we face Him, face God with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So Such love has no fear because perfect love casts out all fear. If we are afraid, it's fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not yet experienced God's perfect love. We love each other because He loved us first. Place your life in the midst of Jesus. And then finally, 1 John 5:13 through 15 says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And we are confident that God hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He hears us when we make our requests, 
we also know that he will give us what we ask for. It's a tough subject to talk about difficult things. Let's examine our own lives and make sure that God is cleansing our own hearts. Even though we, some of us, may not be in an, in an abusive situation, we don't want to trigger things for others who are. We want to be helpful. We don't want to lay condemnation upon them. We want to give them hope and courage. Help them find a way out. Support them in that. This is the body of Christ in the world. It's a gift from God through Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment and pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being the source of life. Lord, I think once again of the images of my own picture that I showed and how, and how distorted they become. I ask you in the name of Jesus to protect men, women, children who are experiencing abuse. Help them experience your love, your Holy Spirit, so that they find hope that they see your sun shining in them and that there is an end to the abuse that they are experiencing. Help them to trust in you to wait upon you, to wait for your timing. Help them to have the, uh, all their needs provided for them as they wait. Give them peace of mind. Lord, we pray for their abusers. We pray that you will shut them down. Lord, we think of Daniel and the lion's den and how you shut the mouths of those devouring lions. Stop the behaviors of the abusers so that there's relief and those who are abused can get out. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to do this. Lord, I don't know who's listening to this message today, but they need to hear your hope. Help them get to somebody who can help them, strengthen them, give them courage to do what they need to do. Send them to somebody who can help support them and help them in that. I ask you to do this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. I want to It is a good thing for us to celebrate what God is doing in our lives. And so months ago, Melanie contacted me and said, I want to I want to get baptized. Melanie, I'm going to invite you to come and you join me on the platform here, if you would. And uh, did you ask somebody to come stand with you? Got mom or dad or, or some of that you want to come join you? Brother? <laughs> come on, brother. Come stand beside Melanie so it's just not her and me. We're going to come over here by the, by the font, beside the font. And Melanie... I have forgotten your name. Tell me your name. Justin. Justin. Thank you, Justin. Just stand. Take a step closer. We're okay. And, and Melanie, why don't you come right, come right over here and uh, we'll pray, uh, pray together. Melanie is the granddaughter of one of our church members, Norma Bates. And so Norma is here. Great to see you this morning, uh, Norma. And Melanie, uh, you, you still living in, near Boston? Yeah. Yes. And uh, so she traveled a long way to be here today so that Grandma could be part of the, the baptism and the rest of the family uh, also uh, in that. So 
Uh, this is this is part of the church being the church. That's why we do this during the service, because because Melanie has made this decision for herself. But nobody ever comes to follow Christ alone. As soon as we say, I believe in Jesus, we are part of a worldwide family. And so that's why we gather the church together in this experience. But I'm going to uh, read through, the, uh, listen and uh, follow along through baptism. We are identified with Christ and his church, and we are brought into God's mighty acts of salvation. And the water expresses that by our faith in Jesus, our sins are washed away and our hearts are made clean. And it serves as a sign that we have entered into this covenant with Christ. And as the family of God, we recognize God's love at work in Melanie's life. And she, having experienced God's grace in her life, declares her trust in Jesus as her own Lord and Savior. And she pledges herself to live a life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Through this sacred act of baptism, we individually and as a community acknowledge the saving grace of God through faith in Jesus. This saving grace of God is a gift to us. Once again, that word gift offered to us. With a, without price. And so today, Melanie comes to receive this sacrament, this sacred moment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask you to look down with love upon your church and unseal for us, for us this fountain of baptism. By the power of your Holy Spirit, Bless the gift of this water and bless Melanie who receives it. And we trust that in this sacred moment, your Holy Spirit will protect and guide her as she follows the way of Christ. To the congregation, if you're watching still, this is a question for you. Even though Melanie lives hundreds of miles away, she's part of the body of Christ, which includes believers around the world. And she's part of our own community of faith. And she asks for our blessing. And I ask you, will you surround Melanie with a community of love and forgiveness so that she may grow in her trust of God wherever she is? If so, would you all shout out, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Amen. Well said. <laughs> all righty. Let's pray together. Melanie, I want you to take a step closer here. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son. (laughs) And of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brother, I'm going to let you put the towel around her shoulders to help absorb some of the... Just go ahead and put it over her shoulder like that. And then, Justin... Would you, yeah. would you lay your hand on her other shoulder, and we're going to pray for her, okay? And I invite you, if you want to reach out your hand towards Melanie, we'll lay hands on her together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Melanie and what you do in her life. And God, even though this was a little bit of water running down <laughs> over her head and onto her shoulders, it is a sign that you have and continue to cleanse her whole body. And she gives herself to you fully and wholly, and we rejoice in that. Lord, we ask you to bless her and uphold her throughout all her life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving her. Thank you for her family, friends who are here today. And we ask you to pour your Holy Spirit upon her, guide her, 
Equip her to do the work that you want her to do. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Melanie, here's a certificate. Thank you both. You may be seated. You may be seated. I invite you to stand together as we celebrate, continue to celebrate and sing this song. Let's worship God.
Gracious and loving God, we thank you for being with us today. Now as we go forth, you go with us. You send us out with your Holy Spirit. Let us go into this world to shine your light wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here today. Have a blessed day.